If there's one thing everyone can agree on, it's that finances can be confusing, especially when you're trying to make sure your career, family life, and everything in between is taken care of. Trust me, I'm right there with you. Whether you're a seasoned investor, a budgeting newbie, or just someone looking to supercharge your financial future in about 15 minutes, this is for you. If you're ready to make your money work harder for you, and if you're ready to spark true financial independence, then you've come to the right place. I'm Teresa Arago, and this is Talking Sense. I don't know about you, Chad, but I've gotten really accustomed to the government passing bills with catchy names that tell you nothing about the bill and that have language in them that is even more confusing. You know, the whole like, we've got to pass the bill to read the bill, right? That's the thing. Um, some of these new rules are going to take effect in 2024, and we're talking about the Secure Act 2.0, as they call it. So we're going to discuss that and how it may impact your journey toward financial independence. And we're going to give you a little bit of background first on the Secure Act. And and thank you, Chad, for joining me on. I know the Secure Act is something you're very passionate about. Um, so I appreciate <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. I appreciate you joining me today. Let's talk about some of the things the original Secure Act, because they're calling this 2.0, which implies there was an original, passed in 2019. The goal was to help Americans save more because we have a savings problem. That is fact. Uh, Most Americans don't even have $2,000 saved in an emergency fund. So the goal was to help fix that. Well, the Secure Act 2.0 was passed at the end of 2022. And while you're listening to this show, it's probably early 2024. So uh, we wanted to go over some of these things that are going on with this that'll affect you. But, you know, it, it's been a minute since it passed and we're still figuring it out as is normal. Yeah. And I think with like anything that the government passed, there's always going to be some type of amendments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really kind of what they've done. And they've but they've added a lot to it. Uh, yes. They've really expanded in this 2.0. Uh, but going back to the original in 2019, uh, it was a, it was a big bill. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was it was a big big change for us. Uh, they especially they you know adjusted some of the RMD requirements, and then mm-hmm. also one of the biggest ones was the ten uh, year distribution of a uh, beneficiary. An, a beneficiary IRA. Mm-hmm. So before that, if you inherited funds, let's say from your parents, you could take distributions over your lifetime, and now they require you to take all those distributions in a ten year period, and that's been pretty impactful for a lot of our clients having that kind of limitation on there yeah and there's still some things in the works with that i know that uh mm-hmm. originally they just said hey you got to take it out over a 10-year period uh you could take it all in the 10th ninth year if you wanted to mm-hmm. but now you know they've come back and they've kind of added some things and so i don't think they've really uh nailed down exactly what those rules are going to look like but i would assume that they're probably going to be some type of annual R&D guidelines guidelines mm-hmm. for what you have to take moving forward and i think had we not walked into 2020 right after it passed those probably would have happened sooner but they even turned you know that one year they said even those that are required to take a distribution weren't required to take one so it was just kind of a weird year for that to go into effect but we're going to talk about three areas that we feel like the secure act 2.0 might affect you personally and help you understand some of the parameters inside of there so the first area we're going to talk about is employer plans So one of the interesting things that I saw, many of you probably aren't at this point yet. I'm closer than probably anybody listening to the show. But um, when you hit age 50, you're allowed to make what are called catch-up contributions, whether it's in an IRA or an employer plan. They're going to increase how much that catch-up contribution is for 2023 to 7,500. 
they're also increasing the base. So it was 19.5 and then it was 20. 22 and I believe it's 23.5 for uh, 2024. So it's been going up every year over the last years. That's why it's, it's a little tricky for us to remember it because it's just it's constantly changing lately. Um, well, in 2025, if you're between the ages of 60 and 63, as long as you meet the income limit, so you don't make too much for it, they're going to let you do a $10,000 per year contribution, catch up, catch up contribution. So you even get a little bit extra for that three-year period that kind of tends to precede people's retirements. So that's a, been an interesting one to look at is how they're changing the catch up contributions inside of employer plans. Now, of course, you still have the same catch up option for your IRA, but that it's still $1,000 last I checked. So um, that one won't be changed, but they are increasing the minimum that you can put in. So uh, a lot of changes when it comes there. Another one is auto enrollment. Yeah. So in the past, the old way is if we were going to uh, help an employer set up a plan, let's say like a simple IRA plan, they only had to match what if an employee contributed, mm-hmm. right? The new way is for these 401ks that they're going to automatically enroll you. Mm-hmm. And it's going to start somewhere around 3% as an automatic enrollment. And what's interesting with this is they can set up also where it automatically increases each year up to a certain amount. And we're seeing this more and more with those larger employer plans. So it used to be if you wanted to participate, you had to go through a sign-up process. You know, the whole you go to HR, they give you a packet that nobody understands what's inside of it. And you bring the packet back and you're on the plan. But now they can enroll you automatically. It'll even pick the investments for you if you don't pick something based on your age. And it could even increase. So you've got to actively go in and opt out if you don't want to join. I'm personally excited about this because I think for some, they don't enroll because it just isn't top of mind. So I think it's really interesting that they're incentivizing employers to just do this automatically. Yeah. And I think that's where uh, some people are going to have to get some education on, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're probably going to start looking at this and start wondering, hey, where's this money going and how do I get my hands on it? You know, so there are there's going to be some uh, there's going to be some challenges there. But overall, mm-hmm. we feel like this is a good, a positive thing to automatically enroll into this plan and get people started on their retirement. Yes. Another one, another provision in this that I find interesting is your student loan payments can be matched by the employer as an employer plan contribution. Um, With this new, um, starting in 2024, companies can match your student loan payments with retirement plan contributions. So for instance, if you were paid $100,000 a year and your employer matches 3% if you were to contribute to the employer plan, then you could make a $3,000 a year loan payment and have that 3,000 match added to the employer plan. So you can almost double dip on your goals by doing what you needed to do anyway, making those loan payments. I find that very interesting that they're allowing people to do that. Yeah. And we talked earlier about this. This is going to be interesting on how this plays out. Because, yeah, um, you know, the government's uh, real good about saying, here's what you need to do, but not giving any framework for how you actually accomplish this. Yeah. So the concept is there. I don't yes. know how the execution is going to go, but yeah. the concept is there for trying to figure out how to help someone uh, not only pay back towards student loan goals, but also give them the uh, companies a way to defer some taxes yes. on some income. So I think uh, all in all, I think they'll figure it out and, and be a positive. Uh, but for right now, we'll just kind of have to kick this can down the road and see how it plays out. Yes. This one actually reminds me when you talk about things that it's going to be really hard to implement. There is a provision in there that has to do with putting Roth option inside small employer plans, but nobody has told us advisors how to do it yet. 
nobody has the framework in place yet. So it's like, what are we going to do? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see when they tell us. I well, guess. and it gets complicated because a lot typically the employer contribution is going to be pre-tax. Yes. Right. So and they'll so, have to be at least two accounts per employee if they're yeah. going to do the Roth. So that uh, that comes into not only on the payroll side, but also the product sponsor side as to mm-hmm. how they create those accounts and how they keep those dollars uh, separate and how they account for those. So that's going to be interesting as well. Uh, and again, one of those kind of the the cart before the horse. Yes. But we'll see how it plays out. Concept overall, good. Yes. One option we don't love, if we're being transparent with you, is there's an emergency withdrawal option beginning in 2024. Part of the reason is the dollar amount is just kind of silly. You can withdraw up to $1,000 from your retirement accounts for emergencies without penalty. Here's the kicker. You've got to replace the funds within three years or you can't do it again. You lose the potential growth on those funds. You're not going to be able to do a whole lot with the $1,000 anyway. And then you're taking money from your retirement accounts on a consistent basis, possibly. It just creates a bad habit, I feel like. Yeah, I think this this had to be one of those things where they were just kind of compromising on mm-hmm. something. They had somebody had to give in to this one in order to get something on the other side. Maybe that, they that wanted. makes more sense to me than them being I, like, "This is a great idea. We'll yeah. give them one thousand dollars." Like, yeah, I don't think we're here to make sense of all this as far as why they did or what they did. But mm-hmm. I think there had to been some negotiations that this led down to a thousand dollar withdrawal somehow, some way. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see where this one turns out. But for right now, it's in there. We'll see how it plays out, but. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll have to get some more uh, clarity on how this is going to work. Yes. So there are some of the changes with employer plans specifically. Next area we wanted to talk about is some changes that are happening with college savings. And I'm excited about this. This is dealing with 529 plans. Um, beginning in 2024, you can roll over unused money from a 529 plan into a Roth for the plan's beneficiary. So if I had a 529 plan for my, you know, my grandparents got it for me. I finished college and there's still a balance in there. I can roll over up to the annual limit to a Roth IRA until it's depleted or until I reach the limit, which is $35,000 at the moment. That's a pretty good way to use those funds if you're not going to use them for school. Yeah, because the idea of the 529 was to put the funds in there, let them grow tax deferred, and then be able to pull them out for higher education or educational Mm -hmm. expenses, right? And not pay taxes on those gains. So now being able to leverage that into the Roth, now you still get the tax deferral as well as waiting till retirement and getting the distributions tax free mm-hmm. as long as you wait till retirement. So that that is a um, that, that's that's really a win win for some long term planning and, and using those dollars uh, over the time. Except you know otherwise, the plan prior to this was hey we just got to take the money out mm-hmm. or, or change you stop, beneficiaries yeah, you change the beneficiaries right. Some things to understand about this, though, the 529 plan must have been open for at least 15 years. So if you're thinking about doing this for a young one that you have in your life, do it now so that you can start that clock rolling. You know, if they're already 15, 16 years old when you're starting this, you're not going to be as likely to be able to use this option. Um, So start young. And then also the contributions that you're doing this rollover with have to be at least five years old. Any newer contributions would not be eligible for transfer. So it, it is kind of interesting. And, you know, another thing to think about that beneficiary to be eligible to make the Roth contributions, they've got to be making money. They've got to have earned income. So it's there's a lot of pieces to it. But overall, we're excited about what this does. I think it gives some new life to the 529 plans. 
I think they're trying. They're yes. trying to, to come up with solution. And also, again, going back to the the original SECURE Act is designed to incentivize savings, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what they're trying to do here. So anything that could, you know, keep someone from maybe thinking, well, I don't want to tie that up just for educational funds. I want to be able to contribute to a 529, but I, you know, I'm not sure what their long-term goals are. Mm-hmm. This is kind of one of those outs yes. that you can now look at, okay, over time they've got some options yes. and hopefully these it's options increase. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, hopefully they'll expand these options like most of the times they, they do <laughs> create uh, some changes to these going down the road, but I think it's a good start. Yes. And then the other thing, there are some emergency savings options available. Now, with this one, you have to be making $150,000 or less to be eligible for this one. This one's a very kind of nuanced option, but it does allow you to designate up to $2,500 annually in a separate emergency fund alongside your retirement savings. So this one was a little confusing when I was reading through it. It almost sounded like it's held at the employer plans, like same provider but it's not under that umbrella of retirement plan so that you, you can take back out of it. But it allows you to automate the savings process. So you're setting it aside like you would your FSA or your retirement plan where you don't see it hit the bank account and risk spending it, but it allows you to use those payroll deductions. It was a weird thing too. So it's the first four withdrawals that you take in a year that are not subject to taxes. So if you're spreading this out over the whole year, then you're only really getting benefit from the first four other than just the simplicity of having it put aside. Um, but it, it, it seemed interesting at least. Again, a concept. We'll see yeah. how it is executed. But, uh, you know, again, going back to being able to put more back, establish some emergency funds, establish some savings and having a, maybe a structure once these companies and once the financial institutions get a way to streamline this and once they catch up <laughs> and once they catch up to what the rules are, because the, mm-hmm. obviously they've got to go by the rules and sometimes not always the rules are written, you know, exactly as they right. were intended. So we've got to make sure that uh, we're going to be able to execute this in the real world. But overall, again, another way to put back some savings and, and, and do some planning. I do want to circle back to employer plans because there was one other provision I forgot to mention when we were talking about those. They have expanded the incentives to employers for offering employer plans to even part-time employees. So they have incentivized those employers even more than they used to with helping with startup costs, things like that, to make it more accessible to everyone. So that was one I failed to mention before, but I did want to make sure we talk about. Um, the, The bottom line here is there are tools at our disposal that weren't before. So educating yourself about what's in there and what might affect you personally might be a good idea. Well, and they are tools, but it starts with getting some advice from a financial advisor to to know what's going to help you and what you can benefit from. We don't mm-hmm. want to overcomplicate things. We don't want to just go out and start using a shiny new tool just because it's available, right? Mm-hmm. We want it to be part of the plan. So I think the very first step is sitting down and see how some of these may incorporate into your overall financial plan to help you kind of work towards the goals you've established. And it might be good to pay a little closer attention to your employee benefits packet when you're getting it this year. Um, because there may be some of those provisions that apply to you that you want to make sure you're maximizing. So I think that was our two cents. I think we kind of jumped the two cents there. Um, But I I 
I just generally wanted to say there were a lot of exciting things we saw here. Often when we hear of legislation, we're going, oh, brother, what's coming next? Because our industry tends to get eaten alive in these things. But I think there were some great opportunities for people to really benefit from this. So we hope you feel like you know a little bit more about it. And we look forward to talking to you next time on Talking Sense. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Talking Sense. And if you like what you hear, make sure and subscribe to the podcast to get all the newest episodes. The Jim Walt team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or by calling our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. And while we like to have fun here, we're also financial advisors, and that means disclosures. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Alliance and Gemwell Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial.